All right, so for the first time in uh, almost three months now, the Rangers win three games in a row. They put together a little win streak here to sort of right the ship that was sinking and sinking rapidly. Uh, the big 2-1 to one win over the Devils last night um, at home at MSG, and they still got a tough slate ahead with Pittsburgh, Los Angeles, Philly, and Chicago in their next four games. So joining me today to talk a little Rangers hockey, among other things, as always, is... Uh, from WFAN, Mike Zahn, Frances Zahn, the fan producer, Ryan Monzo. Monzo, how's it going today? Hey, Neil. How are you? I'm doing well. I, uh, You know, we didn't get a chance to talk before the Super Bowl, but I'm hoping that financially you made out all right on Sunday. Yeah, man, I took Broncos money line, man, so I did well. <laughs> That's good. I, uh, yeah, it didn't make up for all my losses, but it certainly felt good against W. Yeah, it always it always feels good to, to end the season on the wing. No, were you... Uh, were you in on anything else besides that? Were you in on any prop bets or anything like that? No, uh, I, I just I wanted to watch the game and have interest in the game, and and uh, I wanted rooting interest. And I, you know, with the Peyton Manning story uh, last game, I, I figured I'd throw a little bit a little bit of money on the money line, which I thought was very generous. And I got it at plus one ninety five. I thought that was that was really awesome. And, uh, you know, we got lucky that uh, their defense played well, and uh, Cam Newton couldn't hold on to the ball, so uh, no complaints. And basically all that did was cut into my minus number, making it a little bit, little bit less now. <laughs> How, because I, I think the last time I saw it was plus 175, so you, you did it obviously earlier in the week. No, I did it Sunday morning. I oh, was, wow. Uh, I, was, I was waiting it out. Um, I actually saw it at plus 205 on Friday, so I, I should have played it then, but... Uh, yeah, that was it. I didn't play anything else. I didn't tease the game anyway. I didn't play any profits or MVP or, you know, I want to play the over of the, uh, of the, uh, the uh, national anthem, which hit, because it was plus 140. Um, but I just, again, just thought it was such a sucker that you waste that I didn't feel like losing money on it. But I would have hit it. Well, now you have, uh, you know, the season's over. I know you do the Giants <laughs> on the radio, so their season's long been over, but the Sunday show's over. So now you have your Sundays back and, uh, now you can go back to being a, a full-time dad on Sundays. Well, incorporating the uh, the horse racing uh, and the wrestling, <laughs> but absolutely, yeah, going back to uh, being uh, being at home dad and making fresh toast and pancakes on Sunday. <laughs> well, in the hockey world, the Rangers uh, three-game winning streak the first time since November when it seemed like they'd never lose again, and then they sort of uh, played 500 hockey for two months. But now uh, three wins in a row. Uh, going back to that two-goal deficit last Thursday against the Wild, they come back and win that. They come back in the with 12 seconds left to tie the Flyers in Philly and win that in a shootout. Uh, hold on against the Devils on Monday night at MSG. So, um, you know, a nice little three-game three winning streak here at the beginning of February. And uh, I guess to, to start things off, we'll go back to the, to the game in Philly on Saturday. And early on, Ryan McDonough gets punched in the face by Wayne Simmons. Some, you know, said McDonough deserved it for the cross-check. Others call it... A sucker punch, no uh, suspension comes after the match penalty to Wayne Simmons, and I know you were vocal about the incident on Twitter, so what's your take on uh, the status of Wayne Simmons and, and now also Ryan McDonough, who suffered a concussion from it? Well, look, I was obviously pissed off that it's because I don't like, you know, I don't like when guys punch guys in the face, you know, it's just, <laughs> you know, when the other one's not expecting it. You know, I understand that, you know, there was a high stick involved, but I mean, it's a real pansy move to punch a guy in the face. I'm suspecting uh, guy, so that's what pissed me off. I mean, look, Wayne, Wayne Simmons is a good player. You know, he plays that type of hockey that, you know, if he's on your team, you love him, but I, I didn't like that, especially because of who it was, and 
I thought her late video said it really well that if it was Sidney Crosby or anybody else, you know, there would definitely be a suspension. Um, so I'm a little surprised there was no uh, discipline, but I guess there shouldn't be because the NFL player safety is uh, pretty damn embarrassing. So um, that's uh, a nasty play. Uh, I don't like it in the game. I do like fighting when it's two guys fighting. I would one guy sucker punching another guy. Um, so that that was that was inappropriate. You know, I didn't like that. And I uh, let's just say on Valentine's Day, when the Rangers play the Fires in the Garden, I hope Dylan Macklemore is dressed and he hope he has a target on Wednesday. You bring up the NHL player safety, and uh, in the past, you know, when Colin Campbell did it, when Brendan Shanahan ran it, and, and even now, it seems like they always give a suspension based on the you know the player who got hit. The, the extent of their injury, if there was any injury, and now to hear that McDonough has a concussion, uh, you know, you already missed the game, and, and, you know, certainly with the way concussions are uh, viewed now in, in the sports world, and to think that Simmons gets away without a suspension, um, get, and, and the fact that he was given a max penalty on the ice, uh, it just doesn't make any sense, because the player safety department has always erred on the side of suspension, and rather a lengthy one if the player who got hurt ends up being hurt for a long period of time. No, it's, it's baffling, man. It almost makes you think that they didn't even see it. You know, it's you know they didn't even make a comment about it. Uh, and and you know, I'll, and I'll say this: if, if McDonough was not hurt, if he was able to leave the game but come back and just you know got a you know got a, a tooth knocked out or something, I, I could understand a little more. But uh, with this day and age, with concussions and what it's doing to the NFL and the NHL and even the WWE with. <laughs> uh, one of the most popular stars retiring because of concussion. You would think it's just very basic that a guy punches the guy in the face, guy goes down, guy has concussion. There'd be some kind of uh, some penalty for that, but there was none, and I it's baffling to as it's walking. Elaine Mignot spoke out, and he said, uh, "Quote: What I didn't expect was the reaction from the league. An all-star player gets sucker punched and goes down. I wonder if that's Sidney Crosby. What happens, or what the consequence is? And I know you're sort of." one of the guys driving the bus on the anti Sidney Crosby train, so I feel like you're uh, very much in support of Elaine Vigneault's comments. No, look, he's right about that. You know, if, if, if it's one of your golden boys, you know, and, and it's funny because I would think, Brian, you know, I know he's not as offensively gifted as uh, Sidney Crosby or obviously he's the forward, but like a P.K. Subban. But I would think Brian McDonough is almost one of those golden boys in the league. He's the captain of the New York Rangers. You know, he's an all-star, he's an Olympian. So I'm surprised he didn't get that, you know, preferential treatment a little bit. Um, it's, it's, it's staggering, to be honest. I, 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 don't, I, I don't know. I, I just don't understand it. It's uh, a really bad move by a league that continues to shoot itself in the foot. To even go back a little further before we get into the, to the Rangers, uh, or more in-depth with the Rangers, and you talk about the league shooting itself in the foot, and uh, we talked before the All-Star game, we didn't talk after it, and everything that happened with John Scott that night um, in Nashville and uh, the two goals he scored and being named the MVP after being left off the ballot after he was tried to be, uh, you know, tried to be forced out of the game by being traded and then sent to the AHL. And I know, uh, you know, you have been always a fan of the NHL front office to an extent, but, uh, you know, what, we didn't talk since then. So, uh, you know, what is your feelings on what happened at the All-Star game and uh, now it's going to move forward with the three-on-three tournament? Well, i got to be lying to you if, if I said I watched any of the All Star game other than a couple minutes, um, I didn't like how they treated John Scott to begin with. His play story in the Players Tribune uh, was was very telling and very disappointing to read. Um, 
But uh, I'm glad in the end they let him play, and, and he had a lot of success and got the financial bonus and the car. Um, so it ended up, you know, they ended up, you know, the NHL kind of just, you know, they made more fools of themselves because the guy they didn't want in there for whatever reason, because he's a goon, ended up being the biggest story in the MVP. So they just, once again, looked really stupid. Uh, you know, they should just let them just blow up alone. I mean, it, it's the All-Star game. Nobody wants to be there to begin with for the most part. But a guy who wants to be there, wants to entertain the fans and be in front of his family, you know, be a part of it. And, and it ended up working out. But uh, I hated how they treated him. And I was really pissed off when I read some of the things in that player tribune story that he wrote. You got Francesca to talk about it in the air, so you, you got to publicize a little more than it already was getting the attention. Yeah, I mean, look, I felt once that story came out uh, that John Scott wrote, it was worth bringing up. Uh, but when I, once I read that and I, and I furthered myself with the uh, the details and where kind of how it started and everything, uh, it, it really was a fascinating story and, and just another, uh, another moment where the NHL just looks really stupid. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I, I think the way the league treated him was terrible. I think to see him now, uh, you know, have to be stuck in the AHL playing in Newfoundland, uh, his career destroyed because the Coyotes had to send him to Montreal. And clearly what was a league force trade, and I know, you know, from your past, you know, you've always been um, a big fan of Gary Bettman. And maybe it's, you know, the guys below him that did it, but it's certainly his regime. But to see the league, like, sort of in cahoots and, and you know, the corruption to get him from – a league-owned team in Phoenix, all over to Montreal, and then sent to the AHL is is probably one of the dirtiest things any league has ever done. Yeah, I mean, look, it's not a drug scandal or anything like that, um, but it was definitely uh, very fishy. Uh, it, it made no sense for a fourth-line guy or a guy that's you know scratched a lot or might be in the minors to be included in a trade like that. Obviously, Montreal had no use for him, being as playing in the minors for them. Um, so I don't know what the NHL thought they were going to accomplish by doing that other than uh, looking foolish, which, as you pointed out, they did. Yeah, well, uh, it's sort of, uh, you know, to look back now in the six games John Scott has a ra- as a Ranger, you know, I remember them, um, but it, it almost feels like now uh, it, it would be a little more meaningful if he were still on the Rangers. I feel like it, it's, you know, to have him in a market like that rather than even in, you know, Arizona or rather than having him now stuck in the AHL. Um, to have him back on an NHL roster right now, it sort of is ironic that the league's you know most popular player over the last two weeks isn't even in the league anymore. No, and I remember his uh, little run with the Rangers. I remember I was at a game that he was playing, and he had a breakaway and got caught before he could <laughs> even get the shot off. Um, and that was my memory of John Scott on the Rangers. And I also was uh, somebody made it uh, brought it to my attention, somebody on Twitter that I got into a debate with them over John Scott because I guess uh, they signed Mike Rupp um, and, uh, you know, got rid of John Scott. And I was saying that Rupp was a better player and the guy on Twitter was saying that Scott was a better player. So those are my two memories of John Scott as a Ranger. Going back now to the Rangers and to the to the Philly game and, uh, you know, they score with 12 seconds left there, Keith Yandel from the blue line. And the, the weird thing about Yandel is, you know, they make the trade for him last year. They give up to Claire, who's having a, a great rookie season uh, with the Coyotes. And uh, and it sort of was, you know, the win-now window for the Rangers that they've been in now since really 2011-12 when the Nash Kreider rumors started four years ago. And now here we are still with no cup. They're still in that window, but the window's closing. They make the deal for Yandel. But at the time now, you signed Girardi, you've signed Stahl, so it almost seemed like you know, possibly Yandel might have been given only half of last year and half of this year, 
because uh, they may have to flip him again because he's going to be an unrestricted free agent, and they certainly can't fit him under the salary cap as is. But it's, it's been weird to me the use of him, not really since becoming a Ranger, because I think they used him correctly last year, but really this year he's sort of been you know at the bottom of the defensive depth chart for Elaine Vigneault, and he's clearly the best defenseman, if not you know tied with McDonough for the best defenseman on the team. He's used on the second power play, which is his forte, and one of the top you know power play defensemen in the entire league. Uh, and it seems like now at the end of that game and what we saw now against New Jersey, uh, Vigneault starting to use him in the way he should have been used all along. But, you know, why is his, you know, why is Vigneault used, Yandel, so not really sparingly, but just wrongly this entire season? I think what you're seeing from Vigneault is the typical, um, a typical move by a coach that he just likes his guys, guys that he. He's been around with the most. I mean, you saw it with Tortorella, uh, with certain guys, and now you're seeing it with Vigneault and certain guys. And the guy that I think in Lane Vigneault is, is just in love with is Kevin Klein. Because, and Kevin Klein's been a good ranger um, and a good find, you know, in that trade for Michael Delzato. But, I mean, let's be honest. Kevin Klein is playing with a, a fractured thumb, and they rush him back in the lineup if they're missing one game. Um you would say, I mean, look, the Rangers, why not give the guy a couple of weeks to let his thumb fully heal before he's back in the lineup? So I just think the misuse of Yandel is because he just wasn't one of his guys. He was an add-on last year, and then you bring him in this year, you, you kind of know what he is, and you know where you can pencil him in, and Vigneault's going to use him as he sees fit, but uh, I think we can all agree using him uh, improperly because um, we all know he's a defensive liability, but his offensive talent is... Uh, top notch in the league right now. Um, and he's the Rangers' fourth highest scorer, and he's not even playing on the power play the first <laughs> unit. And he has a ton of assists. He has a great shot. Um, and we know he's going to make those defensive mistakes. But I, I think you got to find a way to keep him. I think he's a very unique talent. I think he has a, a side to the Rangers that they, they haven't seen since Brian Leach. I'm not saying he's Brian Leach. He's not. But he, he's that type of player that's going to make things happen from the defensive zone. And I think they got to find a way to keep him, no matter what it takes. Yeah, I agree, and I feel like, you know, at the time, I remember we talked about how bad of deals both Girardi and Stahl got, and now it's those two deals that could screw them over with the Yandel situation, and they'll have to, you know, either make a move for him or lose him and get absolutely nothing in return this summer, and it seems like they have to at least get to the summer with him. They can't get rid of him at the deadline for anything less, Not, not just because McDonough's hurt and they need him right now, but because... You know, you've come this far, what you gave up in Declare, I feel like you owe it to the team, you owe it to Lundquist, you owe it to the fans to at least go for it all once again, uh, you know, in the in the next coming months. But, yeah, the, the idea that he, Klein is his guy or Girardi is his guy, and while Klein's been great as a Ranger considering they gave up Michael Delzato uh, and even got an NHL player in return was remarkable. But uh, to see Dan Girardi, you know, continue to get the minutes he gets, and I know everyone always wants to talk about the argument that, you know, he plays games, he eats minutes, and I've always said it's like a fifth starter that ha- you know eats innings but has a five ERA, and you know you'd rather just see somebody else in there. Might not pitch 220 innings, but isn't going to you know lose games for you. And I just feel like Dan Girardi, while I've been a critic of him for many years now, he's just gotten so much worse, and and he's not going to get better at this point. And it just sucks that he's going to eat up so much of their cap space. Well, look, I think I think a lot of these defensive players, you know, including Ryan McDonough. Uh, including Mark Saul and including Dan Girardi, uh, have been uh, physically worn down from the Rangers' long playoff runs. And this is the first year you're, you're really seeing it 
um, affect all of them and, and badly because they've all had, they've all had, you know, let's be honest, they've all had rough years. I mean, McDonough's put up some offensive numbers lately. Uh, Stahl's been okay. Girardi uh, has been okay at best. Um, and I think it's because of all the games they played. I mean, these guys have played the most playoff games of anybody the last couple of years. They've gone to the Eastern Conference Finals twice. They've gone to the, the Stanley Cup Final. And these guys play big minutes, and, I, and these guys are human. I know they're big-time athletes, and uh, they train hard. Uh, but it's a, it's a tough game. And these guys playing 20 minutes a game, getting puck shot at them at 100 miles an hour, blocking shots, uh, getting hit with the boards, it, it, it's going to wear on you. And that's why, um, you know, that's why, you know, it's you had to get – I understand why they gave him the contracts, but I'm also understanding now um, – why Why maybe they shouldn't have, because these guys just played so much hockey uh, that it's hurting them. And, and that's why it's going to suck if a guy like Gamble goes, who uh, played on the Coyotes for a long time. He didn't play as much hockey. He's still young, and, and he's got a lot to offer to the team. Um, even Dan Boyle's played well, um, better than some of the guys that we've talked about. So, no, I understand your point with the guys like Girardi and Stahl, and I love them as Rangers, but uh, you're certainly seeing the effects of what long seasons have done to them. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, when you look around this team, and not just the defense that's, that's sort of let them down in the season, but, um, you know, the recent injury to Rick Nash, his cold streaks, which we've sort of gotten used to now over the last few years, and that, you know, when he gets hot, he gets hot, and he'll score, you know, n- you know 11 goals in nine games and then not score for 17 games. But uh, really, you know, the other forwards, the secondary scoring they look for, and Chris Kreider, uh, Kevin Hayes, you know, two guys who really – I'd say to this point, I mean, I know Kreider's had a, you know, a longer career. He's been in the league a couple more years than Hayes, and we were willing to give up everything for him four years ago. I would still do the same, even though his stock is nowhere near as high as it was when he was just a first-round draft pick. Uh, but, you know, between him and Hayes, really just two busts to this point. Um, yeah, yes and no. Um, I, I'm not ready to call him bust yet. I, I will certainly say this. I'll say Kreider's been disappointing. Um, just based on the fact that it feels like he should be so much better. Like I, I thought he would score 30 goals this year. Um, and he has, it seems like he has more opportunities than anybody in a game to score. It seems like he literally could have two goals a game, you know, and score 164 goals a season. Uh, but he has this habit of putting the puck into the goalie. Uh, I don't know what it is. He's been better. And look, he's going to score 17 or 18 goals. But I, I think we could both agree that based on his talent and the expectations, you know, we're past the point with Chris Kreider. I know he's 25, 26, 17, 18 goals isn't coming. You need 27, 28, up to 30 goals from him. And Kevin Hayes, look, he had a really solid rookie year. Uh, he started off hot, chilled down a little bit. I'm not ready to call him a bust. I'm ready to call him a little bit of a, more of a sophomore slump. He's played pretty well the last two weeks, and if he can bust out of it and start putting up some numbers offensively, uh, back to the Kevin Hayes we uh, expected coming into the season. Uh, he'll be just fine. I'm more bullish on Kevin Hayes than I am Chris Kreider, um, just because I think we've seen what Kreider is. Now, look, he could be an electric overlap, go to another team and score 40 goals. I would not be shocked at all. Uh, it's going to suck to see that happen. Um, but I, w- I certainly wouldn't be shocked if they move him, uh, either at the trade deadline or after the season. Uh, but Kevin Hayes, I'm not ready to write off yet. Seems like uh, you're very optimistic there. I was, I was thinking that you would have agreed with me on both, but to be one and one, I guess that that's rather optimistic for you. Well, look, I, I try and you know, I, I can't judge guys on their second year um, completely. Look, I, I understand he's been disappointing offensively. 
Let's see, got seven goals. I mean, I, I thought I, I remember tweeting last year that he was going to score 25 goals this season, and Rick Carpinello uh, tweeted at me saying, responded saying, "That's a lot. Don't expect it." And I thought he was dead wrong, and turns out I was the one that was dead wrong. Um, so, so I mean, it, it's uh, obviously uh, you know, but he's played good two-way hockey. Um, I still think he's going to be a part of this team's future. And the guy that I buried two weeks ago, whatever last time I spoke to you, is J.C. Miller. He's only been their best player since then. So hopefully me criticizing those two guys now will really get their game going. I know. I was going to say, man, we should just run through the roster. You could bury everyone right now. I know. At this point, just give me somebody. <laughs> well, you haven't been critical, really, this year of, of Derek Stepan, so I, I've been waiting for the hammer to drop on him from you. Well, I've been critical um, because I, I kind of assume that this is what he is. He's a second or a third line guy. He's what he, uh, he's, he's exactly what we have always said he is, and and no one wanted to hear it. And now look uh, again, he's a good player. He really is. He, he's responsible defensively. Uh, he's good in the shootout, you know. But he's not a first line guy, and he's barely a second line guy. You can live with him as a second line player, but it, you know he's definitely not a first line guy. And a season where he goes fifteen and twenty five is pretty much where I expect him to be. He's had some good seasons. He had a 21 goal year, he had an 18 goal year, you know, somewhere in the 30 to 40 assists. But I, I just, I just don't see it. I think they, I think he's a guy that they very much overpaid, um, and he's going to be part of this team for the next couple of years. But uh, I just thought if you're expecting him to come out and score 30 goals and you know, put, you know, have 40 assists, you just, you have another thing coming. It's not going to happen. Yeah, it seems odd to think that he's only had one 20-goal season in his career and it came in his first season five years ago. And since then, you know, 18 is high. He's at nine now. He's not going to obviously score 20 unless he really goes off here in the last 28 games of the season. I don't, I don't, even, remember, I don't even remember the last time he scored a goal. Against Washington. Other than a shootout goal. Yeah, they, that was a nice goal the other day. I'll have to give him credit on that because uh, – I haven't seen, you know, I remember Callahan always used to do that that similar, just come down and rip a, a wrist shot in the shootout. But um, that was a pretty nice goal, so I'll have to give him credit there. Hey, look, he, that, he contributed and he got the points. And, you know, he's a, he's a, look, I'm always more partial to American-born players. Uh, I hope that doesn't, this doesn't make me racist because I'm not. But uh, I always like the fact that American-born players are becoming more prevalent uh, with the Rangers. But um, these guys that just that, – these, these analysts or these stats geeks uh, that, that thought he was his first-line guy, I mean, I, you don't have to be a genius to realize that he's just not that. Yeah, and I feel like we're sort of coming to that conclusion with a lot of Rangers is that, you know, they're hype when they're younger or they're hype after the draft or because of their status in the draft or where they're picked. Uh, most of them don't live up to it, and I feel like that's why you go back four years to right now when we talked about trading Chris Kreider for Rick Nash and giving up the farm to try to win that season, you know, that's what we were talking about is that these guys, you know, while they might become 15 to 18 goal scorers, you know, most of these guys aren't even becoming 20 goal scorers. And certainly, uh, you know, Stepan once, Kreider never, Hayes never. Uh, this is why you give up prospects for, for proven talent at the deadline. Yeah, and you know what? There's always the next guy. Um, you know, there's, they have two players now. Uh, you hear Bushkovich and Ryan Groff, the guy they uh, got with the draft pick in which they traded Carl Hagman for. Um, you know, so there's always that next core of young players. So it's not like you're going to run out of prospects, uh, but you can run out of superstar players you can trade for. Um, you know, that's why I never have a problem moving a guy. Look, unless the guy is like the first pick in the draft overall, 
and he got virtually a lot to be a superstar. And I think any of these players is movable. I agree, and I think uh, you know when you look now at the youth of this team, and they try to interject it in, in some way, and uh, especially with Dylan McElrath, who's now become you know the guy that only gets to dress when other players are hurt. Even though at times you know he's been better than Girardi, he's been better than Boyle, he's been better you know at times than every other defenseman on this team, including McDonough. And it just sucks to see you know other guys having horrible games like Stahl and Girardi have just had you know you know strung together lengthy streaks of bad games, and McElrath continues to get scratched and. You know, now he'll be in because of the concussion to McDonough. But it seems like he's finally turned around. And I know at the beginning of this season, you were, you know, ready to finally pack it in on him because it seemed like he had been given enough chances to make it or to succeed, and he hadn't. But it really seems like he is a good piece for them in the future. He's not going to be, you know, you know, a surefire number one or two guy, but he certainly is a top six, you know, player for this team and, and certainly is going to play himself out of the press box in the future seasons. You know what's fascinating is, look, I, I, I'm I'm glad to admit I was wrong here because I thought he was going to be a bust. Um, not not off the year he was drafted, but just the the lack of progression you saw. I know he had an injury very early in his Ranger career, um, uh, a lower body injury, but uh, I never thought he was going to turn it around and become a full time NHL player. But it's funny, you see it, I see it. The people I deal with on Twitter see it. It just seems like everybody but the Rangers see that he should be an every-game NHL player. Um, so I'm a little baffled as to why they won't give him a chance to play every game. And look, I understand he's going to take a dumb penalty. Uh, that's the kind of player he is. He's going to get too aggressive with somebody. He's going to hit somebody too hard. He's going to send the box. Um, but that, you know, that, 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 shouldn't, that shouldn't keep him out of the lineup consistently because he does do enough defensively. And honestly, he's even enough offensively that he should be part of the lineup and he can make a difference when somebody sucker punches your captain and he's the guy that's going to go in there and, you know, orchestrate to the other team. That's not going to fly. Um, and, look, I understand fighting in the game has pretty much gone bye-bye, and I understand that and I respect that. But I still think there's a place for it. And he's a guy that I think you need in the back end of the lineup every game. Uh, as long as he's not consistently hurting you defensively, which he has not, uh, he should be there, and it's it's annoying and baffling that it took an injury uh, for that to, to happen this far. Well, the Rangers get that win on Monday night against the Devils after losing to them last week, and uh, they have them coming up here again at the end of the month, um, and then they have them, uh, you know, I think that's it. That's it, yeah, for them. One more game against the Devils, uh, but coming up here, they got Pittsburgh, L.A., Philly, and Chicago, and I'm certainly thinking that that Sunday night against Philly – uh, will be a, a must-watch given what happened the other day. But uh, you look at the state of the Eastern Conference, and you know last year at this time I went back and looked, and, and the Rangers are only four points off their pace they were last year. They were uh, they they were two two more wins last year than they are at this time uh, right now, and then they went on that crazy run with Talbot playing for Lundqvist that sort of you know launched them into the easy spot and the number one seed in the President's Trophy. But for as bad as the season's gone, really now for. About half the season, they were, you know, win a game, lose a game, win a game, lose a game. And to still be on near pace of what they were last year is remarkable. Uh, but the difference is the, the, the run they went on here in the final couple, uh, you know, two-plus months of the season to end the year. And you look at the Eastern Conference, and I think last year we just assumed that no matter who they played in the first round, they'd be able to get by them, and then things would start to get dicey in the second and third rounds and, and on their way back to the Cup Final. But they never got there. And you look at the Eastern Conference now, and it just seems like, we're back in that spot where the Rangers are a team that could be out in the first round or could be back in the cup final. And uh, 
there's so much parity in the East now. There wasn't a couple of years ago. Uh, you look around right now, and outside of Washington, who obviously is the scariest team in the East um, from top to bottom, who else scares you at this point with about two months left in the season? I'll be honest with you, the Devils. All right. The, the Devils. Yeah, I mean, I think Corey Schneider is taking a step uh, to becoming one of the elite goalies in this league and a guy that is going to give a lot of teams headaches, and he's going to give the Rangers headaches because they're going to play him a lot. Um, and I'd hate to get into a battle where you're playing a bunch of one nothing games because I could see the Rangers and Devils playing and bouncing one nothing games off each other and the Rangers coming up on the wrong end of that because of their lack of offense. Uh, that's the one team. And look, I, I think if you look at the East, hell, if you even look at the West, um, I, I don't think anybody wants to play the Rangers in seven games just because you have Lundqvist there. You know how he plays in the playoffs despite um, maybe not putting up the numbers you expect in the regular season. Uh, you know, they still have, you know, a lot of young players. They still have that defense that you hope can live up to the expectations. So I don't really look at anybody in the East or even the West and say, oh, man, I fear that team. The Rangers can't take them. If you give me the Rangers in the seven-game series against anybody, I'm, I'm going to bet the Rangers every time. I like that confidence. You're, you're being optimistic today. You're extra confident. This is, uh, it's making me feel better about the team. Well, I mean, look at it. I mean, they started off 14-2-2, two and two, whatever it was. They were 12 games over 500. They struggled. Everybody's acting as if they're basically under 500. And they're still 12 games over 500. And I don't think they fit their stride. Um, so I, I've seen a team. And look, I think guys, I think certain guys have stepped up. Obviously, we've seen J.T. Miller step up and hopefully uh, become the player that we hope he can be. I think Dan Boyle stepped up this season uh, after struggling last year, although he played well in the playoffs. And it's had a good year. Um, I, I think Zuccarello has been fine. I think Broussard uh, is a, is a is a really good player and a smart player. So, um, and I think I think Rick Nash is gonna is when he gets back, he's gonna have a good uh, last run and a good playoff. You know, when he gets able, I think he'll be back in about a week or so. Um, so I just don't think they've played their best. I think we know their best is a lot better than what it is now. And if they can start playing at that level, uh, they're gonna be a force to be reckoned with. I really believe that. All right, Monta. Well, we've got this tough slate coming up. Pittsburgh on Wednesday night, L.A. on Friday, Sunday against the Flyers, and uh, hopefully can avenge what happened McDonough, and then Chicago on Wednesday night. So tough four games here. There's not many games left in the season. It seems like, you know, it seems like just last week they were ripping off that nine-game winning streak, and that was at the beginning of the season. This season has seemed to go by way quicker than seasons in the past. Well, it's gone by quicker for me, especially because uh, the Mets went to the World Series, so baseball went a lot longer for me personally than it goes. Um, you know, then, you know, the, the the NFL season flew by and the Jets were good and the Giants were not and they had the coaching problems. And so it's just a lot of things happened and the NHL was just kind of there. Um, so, and now a lot of those things are gone. It's not baseball season anymore, uh, although it's closer than you think. And the NFL season is officially over. So now NHL for me is the main focus. Um, and all these games are all important now, so I'm looking forward to this, uh, these last 30 games and, and what happens moving forward. Are you holding out hope that the Islanders don't get in, or are you, are you hoping for a Rangers-Islanders first round? It, it doesn't matter to me. I mean, I guess a lot of people are really uh, really excited about that possibility. You know, it would be a lot of fun. It would be good for the city, but, you know, it, I'll be honest with you, it doesn't matter to me who the Rangers play. The Rangers can play the Lightning, they can play the the Blue Jackets, they can play the Devils, the Islanders. I'm going to watch. I'm going to be confident. 
and uh, I, I'm always going to love playoff hockey. So, uh, you know, if they play the Islanders, great. If not, I'm not going to worry about it. And uh, since the last time we talked, any update on the next uh, Baby Monzo name? It has not been decided yet, man. I, I, unbelievably enough, coming up with a boy's name is a little more difficult uh, than you assume. Um, I, I think we have nothing at this time, though. Um, you know, maybe uh, you know, maybe I'll just go for the gold and, and name the kid Vignell at this point. <laughs> this is number five, so this is like you're almost you. You might catch Philip Rivers if you keep it up. No, I know. I'm working on it. You know, it's. Uh, what are you gonna What, what are you gonna happen? do about your Disney trip? Well, I'm actually leaving on Saturday. I'm coming home from Mohegan Sun. And leaving oh, you're going, you're going this year? Yeah, we ended up going. Wow. And you're driving again? Yeah. I'm, I'm driving home from Mohegan Sun. Um, <laughs> getting, I'm getting showered. I'm powdering all my regions. And then uh, I'm hopping in my truck, which will be packed uh, by my wife on uh, Wednesday or Thursday. I'm loading on the... Uh, putting on the bike rack and the quadruple stroller, and then we're heading down that day. Stopping in North Carolina, staying over, and then driving the rest of the drive on Sunday. And how long is it to North Carolina? It'll be about, about seven and a half, eight hours. And then the rest is what, like another 15 or something? No, 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 like another eight hours. It's about a 16-hour drive. Wow. That's not that bad. I thought it was like a 24-hour thing, or that's to Miami. Oh, it, depends, it depends how much you stop. I mean... You know, when you got kids, you got to stop a little more than you need to. But, you know, we're going to stay at a hotel. We'll stop once, maybe twice. And then, uh, you know, try and get that, that second half of the ride in nice and early. And uh, there shouldn't be any traffic, so I'll be able to go uh, 80, 85 miles an hour. And, uh, you know, where we go, get there. And all of a sudden, I'm, you know, having uh, dinner with uh, Elsa and Anna. <laughs> well, good luck, because this is uh, four kids, another one on the way. And when's the next one coming? Uh, August, first week of August. Oh, so you do it. So you, so you got, you got plenty of time. Plenty of time. <laughs> All right, Monzo. Well, good luck, uh, Matt Mohegan. Hopefully, uh, you get, you get some hot shoes. Uh, good luck in Disney World. You're going to need some luck, and uh, we'll talk again after that. Well, I'll tell you this, man. The last time I went to Mohegan, uh, I went on a major, major hot run uh, at the blackjack table. So I fully expect to get massacred like a four-week-old cat. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, this, this weekend because I don't expect the luck to be any back-to-back. <laughs> All right, Mazo. Well, good luck anyway. I know it's hard to get to back-to-backs, but, uh, you know, you've got the kid on the way. Football's over. You're on a hot streak coming off the Super Bowl. You've got this crazy family excursion to Disney World, so you, you, you need a little luck on your side. I will talk to you soon.